Okay, welcome to How to Estimate Repairs. I am Jennifer Hernandez, Legacy Mutual Mortgage, and a good friend, client, just industry colleague, Brand. I've known you now for several years, and it's been a while that since we've done one of these, so I'm really excited to have you back. Yeah. Uh, but Brant, I, I met him through some investors. I've been hanging around some investors for years, and through them, I met him, and we connected and he's got a great way to present things in an easily understandable way. And he's super master at his craft. I'll let him tell you how many houses he's flipped. I mean, it's over a thousand, I think it was like 2000, right? Wasn't it like two or three? Or not five? quite, not quite that. I'm, I'm in the hundreds, but. Okay. Well, you, you've had a lot of, that's still most than a lot <laughs> yeah. of people. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you've had exposure to a lot of property and I'm really glad to have your knowledge here today. So the audience is mixed of, there's some home buyers, maybe there's some realtors. Um, we do have the chat button. We'll be monitoring that. Um, how to estimate repairs. Like if you're trying to fix your house before you sell it, or you're a realtor advising your client, like, hmm, I wonder how much this is going to cost on the inspection. He's got some really cool, easy ways to do that. And so, Brant, I'm going to hold it over to you. And thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. I think we were, we were doing quite a few events prior to COVID. And then, you know, we know kind of what happened to the world the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so glad to be here. So going over how to estimate repairs and kind of the way um, I kind of created this presentation is kind of from the perspective, you know, for a home buyer that's looking to buy a home and, and, you know, you walk, you, you go to the home and you don't have really a clue or an educated clue or guess on what those repairs are going to cost. I'll give you some, basically a couple ways, tools, tips where you can, uh, figure out kind of how to quickly, and you know ballpark uh, repairs, and then accurately estimate repairs. You know, and um, and I basically have what I did. I've done this presentation um, uh, from an investor point of view. Okay, this is my first time doing it, uh, kind of on a uh, to a retail type of crowd or a home buyer crowd, and that's why I, I put you know a retail edition to kind of tweak my presentation a little bit. But where this training comes from is a training that I've been doing for many, many years, um, which I call Seven Fundamentals. I wrote a book that was called How to Flip a House, and it's the seven fundamentals of a highly successful flip. So if you look at the third, uh, you know, kind of little icon here, which is estimating repairs, like we cover that, that's one of the fundamentals that a, a that a, a successful real estate investor should have right if they're analyzing deals and evaluating deals one of the key pieces of data you need to know is what those repairs are going to cost right so it's the same thing for a home buyer who's looking to buy a home you need to know what those repairs are going to cost and um this is something you know that every home buyer will potentially have to deal with unless you're buying a brand new home you know but for those of you like myself who um you know we've kind of made it a habit as a family to move every two to three years and so um we kind of enjoy the process of looking for deals and go through the, the rehab process i'm going through it right now as we speak we're uh finishing up a home and so it's going to kind of 
I'll be able to share some things today that are kind of pertinent to this, but this is where I extracted uh, this training from. And I guess kind of my uh, quick humble brag and credibility kit, which is kind of like, Hey, why should I listen to you? This is kind of my quick bio. It's I began in real estate 15, uh, close to 16 years ago. Um, I always like to share with people. I start out with nothing. Um, my wife and I were in, incredibly broke, uh, living in an apartment, uh, essentially had no money. We had done the Dave Ramsey thing. Um, we went through the Dave Ramsey uh, financial peace training at our church and went through that. And we're like, woohoo, we're debt free. We paid off student loans. We paid off credit card debts. You know, we had no financial education at that point in time and we got some. And I'm like, all right, that's great. But, you know, I was kind of in a place where I wasn't making much money, nor was my wife. She was a hairstylist. Um, but, you know, we paid the bills and things like that. But um, I was just incredibly unhappy with um, what I did for a living and had no desire to climb a corporate ladder, you know, for the next 30 plus years of my life. So I started looking into real estate. And so soon thereafter, after we did this financial peace thing, I learned about leverage is a good way to call it and good debt. And, um, and actually used a credit card that we had just paid off to go out and buy my first investment property, which was a rental, uh, bought 10 more rentals that year. And, uh, you know, since then we've done hundreds of deals over the years, um, single family, hundreds and hundreds of single family rentals, flips, um, ran a construction company for about 10 years for investors. So we've rehabbed well over a thousand homes. Um, personally, have done hundreds. We've done mobile home parks, um, RV parks. We're, we've got multiple land development deals we're working on right now. And, um, and yeah, and so I've written a few books on the subjects, whether it be flipping houses, raising capital, uh, just general mindset type of books. And um, one of my companies was an eight five thousand company. So that's kind of like the humble brag stuff. Um, and it's kind of like, why should I listen to you? But on this slide, I always like to point out too, and this is really, really important, like with my with people who invest in my company, potential lenders is at the, the bottom two bullet points, I like to point out that I have a 100% track record of loan performance that I've always performed on any debt, um, you know, they've ever taken on, which is really hard to do, especially when you think about like nine out of 10 businesses fail. I think the, probably, the, you know, the same is true for real estate investors. Um, but I like to point out, I've not had a 100% track record of success, meaning I've had deals that have gone bad. I've taken my hits. I've lost money on deals, but I've always performed my lenders. And that's probably what I'm most proud of. And, you know, just basically another way of saying that I've come from the school of hard knocks and um, I've definitely taken my knocks. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about estimating repairs. I'm not sure who's in attendance. I know there's some watching this live, people watching the recording of this. Um, so let's just kind of start here. And, and once again, like I said, I've tweaked this presentation for real estate investors. That's why I've done this for like hundreds of times, but I've kind of made a tweak to make this a retail edition. And, you know, truth of the matter is the, the sad fact is this, is that every day home buyers, you know, walk away from good deals just because they're unsure and educated about the actual cost of the repairs. I know, Jennifer, you've probably seen this. 
where someone's looking at a home and, you know, they have, they're kind of like I was when I went to look at my first investment property, my wife and I were living in an apartment. We didn't own a home. And I go to look at this real estate deal and I had no clue if it needed, you know, $10,000 in work or a hundred thousand dollars. Like I knew it was, you know, out of date, you know, it needed repairs and it needed things, but I just, I had no clue on how to estimate it, how to, you know, create a scope of work, who to call, how to ballpark. I had, I had no clue. Right. So I walked away from that deal. Was it a good deal, a bad deal? I don't know. Cause I was unsure, but I see this every day where investors and home buyers, they walk away from what can potentially be an incredible deal just because of a lack of knowledge. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, the converse is also the, the true, right. Is that every day. And I'm sorry, my distortion thing, when I went to screen it uh, to the slideshow view, it kind of threw off my slide. I don't know why, but, um, but so the opposite is true. And Jennifer, I know you've seen this and I've seen this way too many times. It makes me sad every time. But people also don't walk away from deals, even though they're unsure, uneducated about those repairs, and they get into the proverbial money pit, right? Yeah. And then they've got remorse and they're like, oh my gosh, we hate this house. And I hate yeah. everyone who let me buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they just. So that's why I like, you know. I'm kind of giving y'all what's to come, but Brant has a really cool tool and a way to like, let's face it. When you, you get this inspection report and you've got all these things and like, it's not like you can just call a contractor to get out there two hours later. Like you can't, it's not possible even, even especially in this market, but even before this market, like they're not going to come out just to give you a gut check. You know, those guys, I mean, so that's kind of the main question is how to estimate, right? So that's why you're here. Yeah. And, you know, I had to reduce a lot of my slides down on this because I got, got like a hundred slides to go on this and kind of pick and choose what's best. But one way that, you know, I teach my, my students and real estate investors is, is I use, try to simplify things down and give them like, uh, you know, just easy ways to remember things. So I always like to talk about Kenny Rogers uh, when it talks about looking at a deal, thinking about buying a property and the old, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them uh, song, right? And know when to walk away and know when to run. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem is with, uh, you know, a potential homeowner looking at a home and they may, they may be a first time home buyer, they may have other owned other homes, but if you get into uh, a lot of times older homes, for example, you get into older homes, especially if you're getting into, you know, historical type of homes, like we see like in the Heights and Edo, they may be a hundred years old. And what people don't realize is if you're doing like a full renovation on an older home, it's essentially, it may cost you uh, the same as building a home, right? Where some of these rehabs where you're basically doing everything, 
right from the from the ground up and we've done renovations where we've essentially built a home so you know i'm not going to go that in depth on here this is kind of more so for you know a lipstick remodel to doing kind of some of the remodels that you see on hgtv uh, type of things but the bottom line is if you're you know you're watching this and you're thinking about buying a home hopefully at the end of you know, this presentation will have at least a couple of directions and places that you can go and, and just have some knowledge where you can at least make an educated decision um, and, and feel good about it and not be overwhelmed, not be remorseful in that money pit, you know, that you're spending $100,000 when you thought you were going to spend $10,000, you know, or vice versa. So I always like to say, you know, this is like a Stephen Covey thing, begin with the end in mind. So, you know, whenever you're looking at a home, um, you start looking, you know, kind of I kind of give you a, a few different lenses and this uh, to look through. And this will help you build your scope of work, start getting bids and things like that. But when you're looking at repairs, um, you, you know, what I put on the slide, because this is for my investors, but it's you look at the three factors below combined with the with the type of deal and the market that you're in. So we all know this is going to be a retail home, right? This is looking like your your personal home. Um, so this is we're going to say this may be your forever home or it may be something where you're like, hey, this is going to be our two. You know, we're going to live here for a couple of years or maybe you're, you know, in a job that where you move on occasion. So you really need to think about that. Or if it's a forever home, uh, a lot of this stuff may not apply to you because if it's your forever home, you're not really worried about ROIs and return on your investment kind of stuff like that. And you're like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's fine. This present presentation doesn't really apply to you. But if you are, you know, like my wife and I have been where we've been opportunistic with uh, with with our primary residence, knowing that every couple of years we can sell that property tax-free and free up that money either to buy another home or to invest it, then you need to think about this, right? So you think about your, your game plan with the home. And then for my real estate investors, you always you also look at the market that you're in. Like where are we at in the, the market cycle? Are we in a heavy seller's market where we've been for a long, long, long time, you know, are we in a buyer's market? Because if you're in a seller's market, obviously you don't need to do as much to the home to sell it as a premium. At a buyer, in a buyer's market, you actually typically need to over improve or make sure that you um, really, really, really put a nice product on the market uh, because you're competing with other folks. And you've got to fight harder to get that buyer's attention, right? So you look at the market that you're in. So on this, what I would say is if you're a retail buyer and this is going to be your home, you look at kind of what is your, your short and long-term game plan? I think you have, uh, sorry, I thought I had it on there on the next slide, but what is your short and long-term game plan? I'll talk about in a little bit. And so you start thinking about that. Okay, we're going to live in this house two years, five years, 20 years. Okay. And then you kind of go through this checklist of like, hey, let's, let's walk this property and let's talk about our must list first of all. Okay. So must is what it sounds like. 
things that you must do. If you have a foundation, uh, a major foundation issue, you know, you've got a 20 year old roof, you have an AC that doesn't work, you must replace those things. So you always start there and you start um, getting estimates and, and putting in pri plugging pricing into those <laughs> items. And I'll talk about just in a minute how you do that. Then the next thing you do is you go to the should list, okay? These are things we probably should do. So this is something that real estate investors look at, right? Like if you're in a neighborhood and every single home in the neighborhood has granite countertops, then you should also go granite, which is, which is most neighborhoods these days. But let's say that you're in a neighborhood and everyone has a, you know, 30 year composition tab roof, you know, uh, you probably don't want to put in a Spanish tile roof, right? That's not something you should do. You want to meet, not exceed comps, but you look at things that you probably should do either, uh, for value purposes, or it's just something that you want to do. For example, um, you know, if there is tile that, you don't love, it's outdated, it's got cracked tile, and you know you're not going to be happy with it, then you should probably go ahead and do that versus like doing it six months down the line or not being happy with it in a little bit, okay? And then the other thing is going to be uh, adding wow factors to, uh, to the home, okay? So this is where you want to pick um, and I'm once again, speak for people, if, if you're flipping a house, we always act like to add one or two wow factors. And I like to say one or two, you don't need 20, but look right now when you're going into the home, you know, like, Hey, if we could do this one thing, you know, when some, when we have company over, when we come home within the day, we're going to be like, wow, like I really love that. For example, uh, my wife loves the look of brick, uh, like on the interior of the home. So I wish I could show you guys, but anyway, so we took, uh, cause I'm at the garage apartment of the home that we're renovate, renovating to move into. And what we did in the kitchen, we took the one, the entire, uh, main kitchen wall, I guess I'd say where the cabinet, the main cabinets are and stuff like that. Instead of just doing a backsplash, the entire wall is brick. And it just literally got done just a few days ago. Mortar guys in there putting mortar on it right now. And that was like a wow factor. You know, when I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, what, what would you really want? What do you really want to do? Make this home pop. And she's like, I want, I want this brick. And, um, and so we made a, a, a brick wall for that entire uh, wall there. So that was like a wow factor that she, um, she chose, right? So you want to, you, what you're doing right now, you're like an engineer, an architect, and, and you want to start thinking about these things right now. And you want to get really, really clear on what's the end goal of your property. Uh, the end goal of meaning when you move in, like, you know, it could be next week, next month. Hey, what do we want this home to look like, feel like, be like when we move in? This doesn't mean you're going to do everything right now, right? This is where you're making a list. What must we do? What should we do? Which, you know, is almost an optional and then adding in a little spice. So you're just making a list right now, beginning with the end in mind. We don't know everything that we're going to do just yet, but we're making a plan. And what you may have to do is alter and tweak some things depending on where your budget comes out. Meaning you may have to say, you know what? 
we're going to have to live with that title for a couple of years, right? And is that a deal killer for you or not? You have to figure that out. You may say, you know what? With um, our pool here, it's got coping that we don't love, you know, but after we've, we looked at doing, you know, we're doing like a, a, a full house generator. We're doing this, we're doing that. My wife and I just said, you know what? We'd love to replace the, the pool coping and do these other 10 or 15 things. We're just not going to do them now. We're going to wait on down the road, but we're okay with it, right? So this is kind of where you're you're building the plan, okay? And that leads me to the next thing, which is when you're estimating repairs, I just like to say, take your meds. Your min- What is the minimum effective dose, right? So as a real estate investor looking at a deal or as a home buyer looking at buying a home, you know, maybe there's some things that you don't need to go you know, uh, to the nth degree to get it done. Like maybe there's some little things that you can do that are just a nice, um, you know, my wife was looking at certain things in the kitchen. Uh, like she was like, she was like, well, let's put brick on the Island. Actually, this is one of the things that came up and she just said, you know what? I think we're just going to paint it an accent color. Cause there's like this big exposed part of the Island. She's like, we do brick there too. Hey, let's just paint it. No, let's just paint an accent color. We paint an accent color. And that was a way to, to do a minimum effective dose, but still give a great result. You know, you have a headache. Uh, are you going to take 20 aspirin? You're going to take two, probably two, because that's going to get the job done. So you, there are some ways when you're planning a rehab, right. Where you can maybe cut some corners. Uh, maybe your roof doesn't look great. But you can, you know, roof cleaning is an amazing service that a lot of people aren't even aware of. Uh, we do it all the time with rental properties and homes that we're flipping, you know, where we're literally talking to the seller and they're saying they need a new roof and we go in and clean it and get the roofer to go up there and we spend three or $400 and the roof looks like brand new. So also, after you build your list of things you must do, should do, kind of wow factors, Look and see if there's ways to do them a little bit more cost effectively. Look at there's, you know, maybe you can sand and refinish floors rather than, uh, you know, installing brand new. Maybe there's, I've seen there's a countertop polishing that does incredible jobs. There's a lot of ways to cut some corners, but at the end of the day, you're happy with the product, right? And so this is something where also contractors come in, they can offer suggestions um, and things like that. So always be looking at ways, you know, to, to take that minimum effective dose route. Okay. So then like building upon your list, right? Where you've said, all right, so this is kind of our, our wish list of must, should, and wow. I want you to also really be thinking about things. Um, and this is what I teach my investors to do is if at some point in time in the near future, let's say the next two to five years, if you're going to be spending, you know, capital and money on, on renovating your home and you plan on selling that home in the, you know, near somewhat near future, Think about it as a, as a financial investment and essentially what that return on your investment is going to be. So for someone flipping a home, what I ask them to do for essentially every repair they're doing, 
say, I want you to look through two lenses. Number one is days on the market. Like, is this going to help you sell your home faster because time is money when you're flipping houses? It's absolutely critical. Uh, but also what is the return on your investment? Now, the market that we're in right now is a seller's market. So we all know that if you put a home uh, on the market, it, most likely it's it's selling like the same day, you know, or, or very, very quickly. But that we all know that's not going to last forever. So in the near future, you're going to have to be uh, you'll be back competing, you know, in, in the way that traditional real estate has been. So be thinking about this right through what's the return on the investment. And I know if it is your personal home, this doesn't always apply, uh, but you can still think, hey, is this is this smart money? Right. And you can also look at it, you know, on your personal enjoyment, your satisfaction. Like, hey, am I going to love this if I do it? And then also, am I going to get my money back? Is this good money to spend? Case in point was the roof example that I mentioned. Um, if you're in a neighborhood and there's no other Spanish tile roofs, I would not recommend you doing a Spanish tile roof, right? That's money you're probably not going to get back. So you want to um, look at, um, you know, just kind of not only the personal satisfaction uh, that you're getting from an investment, uh, doing a repair, but also um, what's the return on that investment going to be? Okay. And then, you know, kind of looking at the short term and, and the long term as well, you know, what's, what's most important to you today, but not also, but also not foregoing the future, right? So when we go to sell this home, we're going to be glad that we did this or kind of re regretful with it. Okay. So this is a really big thing. I've kind of touched on it with the Spanish tile roof thing. So when you're estimating repairs, you're planning your scope of work, this is huge for real estate flippers, for people who are flipping a home or even a, a landlord. But I say this a lot is you want to meet, not exceed the comps for the neighborhood. This is really, really important, right? You want to meet, not exceed the comps for the neighborhood. Because if you exceed if you exceed the comps for the neighborhood in the repairs that you've done, the upgrades that you've done, um, if you're gonna, if that's gonna be your forever home, fine, so be it. This isn't the presentation for you. But if you want to get your money back, if you exceed too many things in your uh, in your property, you're not gonna get that money back. You're very uh, low likelihood to get that money back. I see this a lot. I've got um, one of my agents on my team right now that's flipping a home and we're analyzing his deal and he thinks it's going to sell for about 250. Very few even homes that have sold at that price point in that in this particular neighborhood. Now my my agent does incredible rehabs. He's flipped a lot of homes. So I feel confident that he'll be good there. But there's a comp, there's an outlier on his same street that's listed for $330,000, it's not selling. Why is it not selling? Because it's almost $100,000 more than every single home out there. They've over-improved it. They're hoping to get this money back. But the problem is, Jennifer knows, this home's not going to appraise for $100,000 more than all these other homes because they, it's, it's, not, it's not any more square footage. The land is, is, it's a standard lot and they, 
and their the repairs aren't even really that good. They're kind of wishful thinking at this point. So you really want to think about that once again, going with the getting with the end in mind. You really don't want to exceed the cops for your neighborhood. You kind of want to meet them and kind of check the boxes on what other homes in that that neighborhood are doing. And this could be for your two hundred fifty thousand dollar home or your five million dollar home. You know, and you want to kind of look and see what is par for the course in this neighborhood and and just keep that in mind when you're thinking about your future exit. Hey, Brian, I have a question that came yep. up uh, in the chat, actually, while we're, as you were mm-hmm. talking about the topic, um, a realtor asked on the roof or the foundation, what would be the minimum to do so lender can approve the loan? So I'm going to let you know from the lender perspective, what I think, and then you can also answer it. So in regards to foundation, if, if the appraise, uh, if the appraiser notes in the appraisal report that like there's cracks everywhere and there's sloping and there's windows coming off the hinges, we're going to ask for an engineer report with a foundation expert. And if that report is clear, we're good. If it's not clear, we're going to say, well, the things in the report need to be fixed to clear it. Like we need a clear foundation inspection. So that's, let's talk about the foundation first. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would think that the amount of those repairs depends on the foundation report, right? I mean. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's what I would have, I would respond in the exact same way is that, so if we're buying a home that needs foundation work, like it's visible and we're buying it, so we all, we have an engineer I've been working with for like 10 or 15 years now. So the engineer will go out, give their assessment on the foundation, what it needs or doesn't need. And so that's the thing is a lot of times visibly we'll see something to the naked eye could be a, you know, a crack in mortar or sheetrock, a door window, not opening or closing. But a lot of times, surprisingly, my foundation uh, engineer will come back and say, you actually don't need anything done here. And, and sometimes he does like he says, no, like sometimes I'm thinking it's OK. And he's like, no, you need work done here. And so there's things that he looks at the way the home is sloped, it's settled, this, this, that and the other thing. So you always want to rely on an engineer report. Um, it's they're deceiving. Foundation work is deceiving sometimes. Like I said, sometimes I'm assuming we were absolutely going to have to do foundation work and we and we don't have to or we have no. to do very little. So that's the easy way to go on there. And, and you just kind of got to follow suit on the, on the roof. Um, you know, it, there's engineers too, that will look at roofs and you can go that route. We, we usually don't, we kind of go with the common sense floor out, like the eyeball kind of look, if we get up there, we take a look, we assess it. And we also take a look at how many, uh, how, what's the age of the roof, right? So if it's a third, if it's a, if it's a 15 year shingle, so a lot of people don't know, like, and so if it's a 15 or now, I guess they've kind of eliminated the, the 15 year and they call it a 20 year. Well, in the state of Texas, a 20 year roof is probably good for 12 to 15 years tops. Um, so if we've got a 20 year roof, that's 15 years old, we're just going to assume we have to replace it. Okay. If it's a 30 year roof in Texas, you're probably looking at 20 years tops if you're absolutely um, lucky. 
So what we try to do, so I say what we try to do, like, and so this sounds like this question may become from a home seller. Um, if you are a seller and you've got a roof that's questionable, what you may want to do is kind of take the minimum effective dose route. And so we do this quite a bit when we're flipping houses. So what we will do, uh, we do this multiple times every single month. We've got a, a roof, let's say it's a 30 year shingle. And, you know, so we're like, okay, this, this roof has 20 years of life on it. And maybe we're at the 12 to 14 year mark or something like that. And the roof doesn't look great. But what we do is a couple of things. Number one, we'll typically clean it. That does wonders. Number two, I have my roofer go over and do a basic service. And what he will do at the top of your ridges are your ridge shingles. So those are typically the most weathered. They're bent over, so they lose the granules. He'll replace ridge shingles. He will seal and caulk around vents, chimneys, things like that, all your roof vents. And it looks incredible. Uh, and so now your future buyer has peace of mind because the inspection report comes and it, it gets a clean bill of health and it looks good. And, and to be quite honest, you probably added a few years of life onto it. Um, so that's what we try to do. We can't always do it. There's just roofs we get and we're like, it's shot. It, it just has to be replaced. But that's, that's what we do. So I do want to just mention for those that are watching um, regarding uh, roofs and foundation, Number one, lenders do not, well, a good lender does not look at the seller's disclosure. We don't, we don't send that. It does. It's not in our file. I mean, y'all might send it to us, but our underwriters don't ask for it. So we don't submit it. And uh, we rely on the appraisal report. So the only thing that's going to come up is something that's visual. And I've, I mean, in the 4,000 loans I've closed, I have very few, like less than 3% that come up where the roof is even questioned. The time, like it has to have like apparent holes on it or big, huge leaks visible, like in the ceiling or something for an appraiser to mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we see it come up, y'all, is in insurance. Yeah. And so insurance companies... Um, we've even had insurance companies, they get jammed up in time and they don't go review the house until after closing. We've had insurance companies cancel the policy. Like imagine if you're a realtor representing a homeowner, they do not understand the insurance gets canceled. They don't do a great job of telling y'all or they miss the memo. And then and lender forces a policy, like it is a mess. So make sure if that roof is older, like make sure that the insurance company does that inspection beforehand. Cause you've got a, like, you can have a nightmare on your hands later, just FYI. But um, if the appraiser doesn't mention it for us, we don't, we don't say anything, but again, the inspection could be okay with it. We could be okay with it. And then the insurance company comes along and they're not okay with it, for example. So that's, yeah. a, that's something to mention. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll, I'll let's see here. I lost track a little bit. I'm gonna go back. So what, so what I want to move to now is basically, so whenever you, 
you know, are looking at a home that you're wanting to kind of move forward with. So you build that scope of work. And, and, and I'll, uh, once again, I'll call that kind of your wish list. Like you start with everything, everything you must do, the shoulds, like, hey, let's go ahead and add those to the list and some of your wow factors. Because what you'll find is like, hey, everything may fit into your budget, but it may not. And so it's easier to remove things later on rather than like, oh, I forgot that, I forgot that. So just you add everything in. And then we're going to talk about two ways to estimate repairs. There's a quick way. Um, this is just a quick ballpark uh, for, you know, for analysis purposes, like the slide says. And this is, this is how I quickly analyze, you know, 99% of my deals. And then there's accurate estimating. So let's just talk about a quick rehab analysis. So this is something that um, I put together many, many years ago. And it, all this is, this is not accurate. This is quick. Okay. This is very quick. Just to give you a rule of thumb of what we're typically looking at when it comes to uh, renovating homes. So, and I've, and we've just recently increased this pricing because as we all know, the cost of materials and labor is just skyrocketing. I mean, just absolutely skyrocketing. Um, but you're the kind of the first area that we have here is if you have a home and you're just going to, you know, paint it and just do basic flooring, you're not knocking down walls, you're not, you know, doing uh, major countertops and just all, you know, new windows and stuff like that, you're easily going to spend in the $15 square foot range. This you, I used to have this at $10 a square foot, you know, to paint floor home, like with tile or, you know, vinyl or whatever you want to do. It's just stuff's going up so much. So, but even though, so you look at this, so you might be like, well, this is a, 2000 square foot home, you know, it's very easy to spend 30 grand on uh, a 2000 square foot home. It used to be where you could get that done for $15,000, $20,000. You can easily spend $15 a square foot. This is without any major items. This is just painting for them. So then you kind of go up to the next level and like, hey, we're going to paint and floor it plus do some countertops, some lighting. Maybe we're going to do, um, you know, update the receptacles because they're old looking and uh, maybe do a little backsplash and whatnot. You're getting in the $20 uh, range and then it just goes up, increases if you're doing gut jobs and flood houses. Now, this is the remodel. This is the uh, paint flooring, the cosmetic type of stuff. So what you do is you combine this number. Let's just use the $20 square foot number for your typical rehab, 20, you know, ish range on a, on a 2000 square foot home that needs paint, flooring, some countertop sliding. You're going to be in the $40,000 range just as a ballpark number. But then you have to add your major components. The major components are their own section. And what am I talking about? Major components. The, the big three that you typically deal with are your HVAC system, your AC, your roof, and your foundation. 
So you want to look at those through a separate lens, not in the cost, the price per square foot range or in your remodel. Uh, these are major components. Those are the big three that you typically deal with. So any pricing on that would be above and beyond your remodel price. So on that 2000 square foot home, let's say that, you know, you're like, all right, this is a, a, a cosmetic rehab. So we're going to do paint, floor, and countertops. Nothing major, just basic cosmetic HGTV kind of stuff. We're going to spend about 40000 You can ballpark that. And you say, all right, we, we also, the roof's good. The foundation's good, but we need a new AC. So you would factor that price into there. So if a new AC is going to cost you $8,000, you are probably looking at $48,000 rehab. This is just a quick ballpark, right? Um you know, some of the other big ticket items that we you may run into on occasion, but not nearly as frequently, is plumbing. If you were going to replace all the water lines uh, or the sewer lines, like I said, not done nearly as often. Um, but if you are buying a home that's say in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it may be something that you encounter. Um, an electrical rewire, once again, very, very rare. Um, even for 1960s and 70 homes, are we rarely rewiring? This is more like a 1940s, 1950s, occasionally 60s. So if you did have a home that you felt that you need to rewire, then you're going to need to add that pricing in. You know, if you needed a full concrete replacement or driveway, you would add those in. So that's just, like I said, I'll go back real quick. That's just a, a very quick rehab analysis. This is very helpful if you're looking at deals uh, online and um, or, or going in person and saying, man, what is this house going to need? Well, if, it, if it's just a little TLC, $15 a square foot will usually do the trick. And I'd rather you overestimate than underestimate, right? So we've padded these a little bit. But if you're doing everything, you know, you're doing big ticket items, you can get well above $20 a square foot and get into that $30, $25 to 30 square foot uh, per square foot range plus your major components, okay? So that's just a very quick tool, um, you know, resource to, to quickly analyze deals to see if it's even something that you wanna put an offer on or consider further. So that's the quick way then there's the accurate way with accurate estimating. There's only one way. All right. There's I don't have a big shortcut except to get pricing. Um, you get bids from contractors. Uh, you, when you want to make sure those bids include materials and labor seems so like common sense, but common sense isn't always so com uh, common. So when you, when you begin getting bids, on the item, right? You have the scope of work that you want to do. You start getting bids for each and every item. Make sure that the bids that you're getting includes labor materials. Make sure it's the quality and the grade of materials that you want. And then you start adding contingency numbers on there as well. Um, hey, Brant, I had yeah. a, someone chatted that they wanted you to go back to the last slide. I'm assuming the one that had the 15, 20, 25, maybe they want to oh. take a picture really quick. Yeah. There we uh, go. Montel, I think you're including this one. Maybe just take a quick picture of that one. So everybody take a picture. And you all are going to get this, uh, by the way, the webinar. But yeah, take a picture of that one. 
Um, okay, Brant, you can keep going. Thanks. Okay. And then, uh, so whenever you begin getting your bids, this is where I see the most pe people make the biggest mistakes because they go to the kind of the guesstimate range, like just guessing. And you don't want to do that. This is where you, you really need to be, uh, you know, responsible uh, investor and homeowner at this point in time, roll up your sleeves. It's going to require making a lot of phone calls, talking to a lot of people uh, and, and getting written bids, you know, from reputable, reputable contractors at this point in time and kind of building out um, your scope of work, right? So you can really make an educated decision, figuring out if this is, if this is a wise move for you with everything that you need to do. So during this time also, you know, this is a question I get a lot is like, where, where can I find a good contractor? Cause I know that's something that scares a lot of people is working with contractors, talking to contractors. So real estate investors, you know, people like myself, this is what we do, right? Like one of our main jobs, one of our main goals in, in life of business is getting construction done uh, cost effectively, right? Getting it done cheaply, but with, with, but with acceptable quality. So if you know any real estate investors, reach out to them. If you don't know any, uh, go to some networking events, go to some online forums uh, that for investors in your area, talk to lenders, um, that's how I met a lot of my contractors in the beginning. I was talking specifically to hard money lenders because hard money lenders were constantly approving contractors work. So I got a lot of good contract referrals from uh, my lenders, other wholesalers, realtors as well are a great resource uh, to find contractors. And then I like this quote, how you do one thing is how you do all things. So when you are getting bids from contractors, even though your contractors may not realize it, the bid process is the interview, okay? Because how you do one thing is how you do all things. Your guess what? If your contractor is slow to respond when you're getting bids or they're not clearly communicating or they're not following up when they say they're going to follow up, guess how that guess how their work is going to be, right? It's probably going to be very, very similar because if someone's communicating well, they're easy to understand. They, um, you know, have a uh, good way of presenting the work that they're going to do, explaining how it's going to do, what that process looks like. Then you're probably going to have a good experience with them because how they do one thing is how they do all things. So just keep that in mind when you're getting bids, you're, you're working with contractors. If you've got a good feeling about them, and they've seen professional polished, they and uh, polished, and they have good referrals. You're probably going to be okay going with that person. If the opposite is true, then be be very very careful in moving forward with them. But when you're you're going through this process, it really is the interview process, um, and that's you know kind of what you need to do and you need to go through. And so you are being uh, a efficient because you're not only getting pricing on, on work, but you're interviewing people. That's why it's very important as well to get multiple bids. Even at the first, you know, let's say you want to get a, a general contractor just to do everything. That's great. 
And you may absolutely love the first general contractor that you meet with, and you may think that they're the one, and they may be the one, but go ahead and get some other bids, right? A lot of times contractors will have different perspectives. They'll give you, know, give you different insights. Um, different contractors have different ideas. And that's another thing is I lean, even after doing a thousand plus uh, rehabs, I lean on my contractors to get ideas. Like sometimes I'm like, man, what should we do here? Uh, my carpenter, for example, this guy, he always has amazing ideas when we're doing demos and, you know, full remodels and stuff like that. We're moving walls and stuff like that. The guy always, he's like, no, do this, do this, move this over here. Or we'll be in a job and we're like, hey, we're going to do this. He's like, oh, you know, did you think about doing this? I'm like, no, but I'm glad you mentioned that, you know. So I ask my guys all the time, what do you think about this, right? Rather than me dictating and giving all my ideas, because these guys are doing this all the time. This is their trade. This is their craft. They're, they're professionals. They're experts. So rely on your construction team as well to kind of give you some ideas. Um, and then it's kind of one of my last slides here. And, and Whenever you're going through um, your wish list of everything, um, if you don't let, let, let's say you're on the verge of, you know, you found a home and you absolutely love it, but there's a time pressure too, right? Especially in today's market where you don't have all the time in the world to get your quote, uh, your quotes together and your bids together. Um, and let's say you've, you know, you've put together a list of say 50 items that you want done with this potential home. And you, and you're like, you know what, I know what my painting's going to cost. I know what my flooring's going to cost, but you don't know what, you know, maybe you're waiting on roof pricing or maybe you're waiting on, you know, a certain type of countertop countertops that you wanted. I say it's better to be comprehensive than to be accurate. So in the, you you may not have time because of the time pressure. And that's what this site is geared towards are my investors, because a lot of times we have to make a decision on a deal the same day. And we don't have 100% pricing on everything. Does it mean that you walk away from the deal? Most likely not, but you do want to, you want to plug a number in. Uh, and, and, and figure out if it still makes sense for you to move forward on that deal. So for example, let's say you've got a deal that you're looking at and your agent tells you, look, you have to get your offer in today, or maybe you're under contract and uh, your, you know, your option period is ending, but you don't have pricing on a certain item. Maybe it is a Spanish tile roof. We've got a Spanish tile roof for this house and maybe it, you need repairs or whatever. With the way technology is today, guys, get some pictures, take some pictures, take some video, uh, get it, pull the pictures from your home inspector and just get on the phone and start Googling and talking to contractors. Say, hey, I don't even need you to come out to this home. I need five minutes of your time to tell me what you think this would cost to do this amount of work on this 2000 square foot home or whatever size your home is and get a ballpark estimate that may not be 100% accurate, but at least allows you to make an educated decision on whether or not to move forward with that home. Um, so that's, that's kind of my intention with that slide. And it, I hope that was helpful. You know, I, need, I know I needed to keep this into, you know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Um, Jennifer, I hope this was uh, useful. I mean, I think it's good to hear. I, I really, I took a picture of the slide. Actually, I'm going to put that on social media about 
I think the gut check that you did on that slide was really powerful. I think it's, it's a good gut check when people are looking at things um, as like, is this going to be worth it rather than I know that inspection, I, I guess I have a question when inspection reports come back with a bunch of little nitpicky things, like, should you just do that 15, like the small stuff, $15 a square foot and just be done with it and know that you're okay with that. I mean, if you're buying or selling, if you're, you mean, buying, like, let's say you're buying. buying, yeah, uh, I can't, you know, it always depends. <coughs> Every situation is different. I, I can't, throw a blanket answer and say yes or no. Yeah. It's hard to say. You know, it, it's really hard to say, you know, and people, some people love the renovation process and some people hate it. They don't want to, they don't want to do any of it. Um, you know, even painting a home can be stressful, right? Like yeah. that, that, that can be stressful. So to, to each his own, um, I will tell you that people, not always, but a lot of times inspection reports get blown way out of proportion. Okay. So when we're flipping homes from a seller's point of view, when we're flipping homes and inspection report comes back, you know, it could be 20 pages or 200 pages. What, what we typically do is we're able to go through and like 50, 60% of the stuff is really low hanging fruit. It's something that we usually can get our handyman, maybe a couple of other trades. We get over there and it's knocked out like literally in, out. Yeah. Yeah, literally in a day. And I'm not talking about major items, uh, big ticket items. But so if we have a, a buyer who has given us a fair offer, they get their inspection report. We'll go through and say like, hey, we're going to do all these things. Not a problem. It'll be done in a few days. Now, big items you want to negotiate and things like that. But a lot of stuff, it's it's not as hard as people think. Um, but it's it, once again, this is a you have to balance the emotional side of your decision with this being your home, and and but you know, and and trying to to balance it with the financial uh, side of things as well. And you yeah. just kind of. You know, and, some, and a lot of times there's obviously there's a spouse involved. So you go like find that happy medium and, and not get emotional over deals. I try to tell people like not get emotional over deals um, and just kind of see where that is. Like draw out like, hey, this is where we'd be happy with. This is what it, it looks like that's ideal to us. And if it makes financial sense, uh, then you move forward. And if you don't, then there's more deals out there. Well, I appreciate you being here today. I know you have, there are some people on today that also they're realtors and investors, or maybe there's some investors on, I don't know, but if people want to hear more about you, why don't you say what your YouTube is and your social media or whatever? Yeah, just the easiest thing I tell everybody, go to brantphillips.com. And if you want to get in touch with me that way, or, you know, that it's there. thanks to YouTube, my YouTube channel or both. Yeah, that's easy. Like that. That's easy. And if you're watching and you need a loan, I'm with loanwithjen.com, L-O-A-N withjen.com. So that's easy too. All my stuff is there as well. So thank goodness for quick, quick and easy brand names. Well, thank sure. you, Brant. Um, I really appreciate you being here. I think it was really great information. 